First Timothy chapter 4 and the verses 6. Paul speaking to Timothy says, if you put the if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of God and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come praise god I quickly want to emphasize on something here from these few scriptures where Paul is advising Timothy and what he says is very, very clear. He says, bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come praise God I pick up the scripture because of the season that we're in there is a lot of encouragement for bodily exercise and rightly so couldn't be emphasize that much we need to do the physical exercises but here in the text Paul makes us to understand yes it does profit but its profit is little and he rather recommends something more so he's not saying don't do the physical exercise it profits little do this little bit but godliness Prophets more in all things, in all things, in the life that is now and the life to come. Reason being that people need to be out and exercise, but in all the exercise, I also want to remind the church that we need to exercise ourselves. Spiritual exercise is also of prime importance. Spiritual exercise is very, very important and we make sure that we are exercising spiritually. What do I mean? Spiritual exercise is exercise in, in the word of God, exercise in prayer, exercise in the fellowship with the believers. And I want to encourage each and every one that the seasons that we are in requires that we are exercising ourselves spiritually. We are giving great attention to prayer and great attention to the word of God. I am emphasizing this, and I want to say this very clearly. In Christ City Church, there is Wednesday prayer meetings, prayer organized on Wednesday, be part of it. 
There's one, there's a Bible class organized on Friday, be part of it. There is Saturday morning prayers, be part of it. There is a Sunday uh, session that we have, be part of it. And then there is also the children and the youth, be part of them, exercise. Because the times you are in, the times you are in, only God knows the time we are, we are in. I don't want to get out of myself and say any, any, anything, but I'm saying that there is a need for us to spiritually exercise ourselves because there's doom and gloom. There's dark clouds around and we don't have to get, you know, caught in these dark clouds. Physical exercise alone will not disperse those dark clouds that are around us. Believers, let's wake up. Believers, let's rise up. Believers, let's stand. Amen. Praise God. Now come with me to the book of Luke. This brings me to my text. That was an exhortation, a, a, a first exhortation. Praise God. Okay. We are continuing with our studies in the book of Luke. And we've looked at the verses 1 to 6. Today I want to pick up from the verse 7. Hallelujah. I want to pick up from the verse 7. And so I will just read a few of these verses and then we will start from the verse 7, please. Uh, Luke 9 and the 7th verse I would like to read. Now, Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him. And he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead and of some that Elias, that is Elijah, had appeared and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this one of whom I hear such things, and he desired to see him. Hmm. Someone say, we need to go viral. We need to go viral. Because conscience depends on it. Someone say with me, we need to go viral. Because conscience depends on it. Hallelujah. The truth must go viral. The truth must go viral because conscience depends on it. Praise God. You want to say one more to yourself. The truth must go viral because conscience depends on it. You want to say it to yourself again one more time, one more time, or say it to, to someone else. The truth must go viral because conscience depends on it. Hallelujah. Shall we share it up? Shall we, shall, we, shall we pray? Father, we thank you. We bless your name. The entrance of your word indeed give it light. You give a wisdom to the simple and to the uninitiated Lord. 
you cause to be strengthened. Today as we focus upon your word, may the light shine so bright. May understanding come. May encouragement come. May truth be unveiled. May we be emboldened. Ah, may we become strong. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May we become strong. Ah, yes. Strong in declaring. Confident in declaring the truth. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God for His Spirit. Amen. God is good. Now, quickly, let's, let's jump into it. Now, you know, when we, when we are given this charge, often you look around you and you consider, what are we doing? We're not making any impact. You know, because it looks like the more you, you learn God's word, the more you hear God's word, and, and the more you make an attempt. Some of us are sharing online. Some of us are tweeting. Some of us are writing blogs. Some, vlogs, some, of, some, of, some of us are uh, getting involved in all kinds of means to spread the word. When we get our colleagues around us, we are sharing the truth with them. We are passing the message on. Any God's truth is coming to us and we are sharing it. And sometimes, you, uh, but, but the more you are sharing, the, the more you feel like nothing is happening because you see evil continually abounding. I mean, you are sharing and the truth, the evil is, um, wickedness is on the rise and you feel so discouraged and you want to stop. And uh, someone, sometimes you can even get a Christian brother telling you, you know, hey, slow down, slow down, slow down. What are you doing? And, and sometimes you, you get some people also falling along the way. I mean, all kinds of things happening. But the truth is this. As we share the truth, God causes the truth, his word to be heard. And he awakens conscience. Praise God. When we spread the truth, God causes people who are in authority to hear what they need to hear. And it is what they hear that awakens their conscience. Hallelujah. So basically what we're saying is this. To awaken the conscience of our societies, we need to keep spreading the truth. Hello. There is a need. If we stop it, right? If we stop, oh, we are spreading the truth. We are spreading the truth. We are hearing the truth. But evil seems to, seem to still be going on. The, the truth of the matter is that if we stop, <laughs> what would happen? You have no idea. Okay. We, we need, for us to awaken the conscience of our societies, we need to keep spreading the truth. A truth that God puts, puts in, a, in your heart must be spread. This, and sometimes too, there are certain places that we feel we, 
we can't get there. Yes, it is true. We can't get there. There are some places they are physically locked up to you. They are socially locked up. They are politically locked up. Basically, you, you, you don't have any access to those places. And you wish you could go and tell them something. But hey, don't give up. God knows how to reach those people. So wherever God has given you access, spread the truth. That is the message today. Wherever God gives you access, spread the truth there. How it gets to those other places that you've got no influence, God deals with that. And as you do, he will awaken the conscience. Ah, haven't they got any, any conscience? Oh, yes. God can awaken. God is able to do it. God's truth is able to do it. Nothing else will do it. God's truth will do it. But how they will hear the truth, God will cause that to happen. Amen? Praise God. Now, come with me to look and see what Luke is saying here this morning. This morning, as we look at Luke chapter 9 and the verse 7, Luke presents us with a personality, an interesting personality, of course. He says, now, you remember now he's, this, this now is following from Jesus sending the disciples, uh, sorry, the apostles uh, spe specifically, to go and preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. So he's giving them power and authority over, over all devils and sicknesses, or if, if you like, demons and sicknesses. And they are out in all the places that they can go, in all the towns, the verses says, they went every through every town, preaching and healing everywhere. Now, as they are preaching, the Bible says that, now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him. Yes, the disciples are preaching, but he is hearing about him. And the him, of course, is Jesus Christ. But why this introduction? Why bring us into, why bring Herod, Herod's name here? And that is a very good question to ask. Herod. So we need to really look, since, since he presents us with Herod, we need to look into who this person really is. Now the first thing we notice is that he says, now Herod the Tetrarch. The, the, the thing that probably might come into your mind is, he's talking about the, Her the Herod who comes from Tetrarch. But actually, no, no, it is not, that's not what it means. Herod the Tetrarch, the, the word Tetrarch, is a title. It's a title. It's a title of a governor who rules a fourth part of a region. Hello. So, Tetrarch is like is is like a king. It's like it's like, it's like a title king, King Herod. Herod the, the, the Tetrarch is a so it's a title given to a governor. And of course, a Roman governor who rules a fourth part. So if, if the region is divided into four parts and you rule a quarter of it, you are called a tetrarch. So that's how this Herod gets this name, Herod the T 
tetrarch. Now, the Herod is a name, is a well-known name, or a, a well-known uh, royal family name in, uh, among the Jewish people during the time of Christ Jesus. Herod actually means heroic. It means heroic. But this meaning was not demonstrated by the family at all. <laughs> Nothing they did would be called heroic. So here's an example of a very good family name, but the people don't exhibit this name at all. If there is anything great about them, which they, I must say, they did do some great things, but this family or this family who were royals and they ruled, they ruled during the time of, of Christ, so before him and during his time, and some after him, of course, they were very egoistic. They were self-centered, self-consumed by themselves, and they... They, they, some of the princes had great talents, but their talents were used wrongly or they were used in a wrong way. Um, it is very sad to say that when, these, when any of these uh, 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 princes or kings in this Herod family died, <coughs> they were not missed. Israel didn't miss them at all. Israel didn't, there was nothing to desire, there was nothing to be missed, there was nothing that Israel could say, oh, we wish he, had, he was here. No. When they were dead and gone, Israel was very happy that they were dead and gone because they were evil. I'm talking about people who, I am, I am talking about a family of royals or so-called so who were, there was so much quarrels among them. They were always suspicious of one another. Besides that, there was unbelievable immorality amongst them and murdering. Now, the first in line of this Herod, which I must mention his name, he's called, because you come across it in scripture, the first in line of this Herod, uh, who, who were the kings and, and, and the royal wars, the one we call Herod the Great. Now, this Herod the Great, he was a Herod. He was the one who, when Christ was born, ordered all the children that were two years and under to be killed. Now, prior to that, he had murdered his own wife and his brothers around him. Why? So that the Kinship can be to him and his children. They, they, they were full of evil. Full of evil. So he killed one of his wives and the children born. And the children that this woman born for him, he killed the children too. And some of his brothers. He, he lived for 70 years. Ruled in Judea for about, about 37 years. And he died in 4 BC. That is just after Christ was born. You know, when he heard, when he heard that a king had been, when the wise men came and said a king had been born, ah, they enraged him. So he caused, so he caused that mass murder. So what he did was just, it was just something that he was, something that was just characteristic of, of him to just kill people. 
If he can kill his own wife and sons and siblings, they were about ordinary people. That meant nothing to him. Now his sons, among his sons, he had other sons. And when he died, the Romans divided his territory into four quarters and gave it to his sons. And one of his sons is the one we read here. And Luke mentions here, Herod the Tetrarch. Actually, his actual name is Herod Antipas. It was this one who, he was the person that Christ will, in the, at the end of Christ's life, will be sent to. <laughs> Interesting man. He was a, a light-minded person, indicating he, was, he lacked seriousness in life. He, had, he was not serious in life at all. He was a very frivolous man. He married the daughter of Aretas, right? A, a, a king nearby. He married this man and... Sorry, he married the man's daughter. But when he realized that his own brother, Herod Philip's wife, called Herodias, was beautiful, he had an affair with the brother's wife while the brother was still alive. And after the affair, he decided he was going to marry her, even though she was married to his brother. So took Herodias, married her, and divorced his first wife. This was a public. Uh, uh, this was a public information. I mean, for public in the eyes of the public, they all knew about it. He's a governor, and he does whatever he wants. But John the Baptist would not let this go, and John the Baptist criticized him for that. That in Israel, in Israel, so Herod, the Herod, the Herods came from the Samaritan side of the Jewish group, so they were not Romans. If you think they were, they were no. So, so what John the Baptist said to them was that if your brother was dead and you married his wife, that is proper. But your brother is still alive and you've taken his wife by force and married her. And Herodias, too, very happy, has married you. So that is wrong. So John preached against it. And you, it was because of that, it was because of that, Herodias didn't like John, and Herodias actually goaded, or I would say annoyed Herod, the Tetrarch, to imprison John the Baptist. He didn't want to do it, but Herodias annoyed him so much, like, if you're a powerful uh, uh, governor, why is it that this man can speak against you? And she did all that, and eventually Herod imprisoned John. But that was not enough. This kind of Herod... You know, but when Herod, when Herodias came to marry Herod, Herodias already had a daughter with Herod Philip. So she came with her daughter called Salome. And if you, if you, if you remember how John the Baptist's head was cut off, Herodias' daughter Salome came to dance and the dance pleased Herod and his guests. Now, if you've read a book of if you've read a book of Esther, you now understand the kind of dance that this young girl would have danced. It was an erotic dance. That was what it pleased him and his 
visited so much the man, he told him, uh, so he told her or promised her, ask whatever you want and I'll give up to half of my kingdom. Now, that statement is not literal. It doesn't mean that he will divide half of the kingdom and give to you, but it simply meant I'll give you whatever you ask for. So it happened, we all know the story, that the girl went to the mom and the mom said, ask for John Baptist's head. Luke doesn't give us this full account. That was why we read Mark's account. So we get the whole picture. And he said, I wanted John Baptist's head. Herod's hands were tight. But the thing is that was, was his hands really tight? Did John's head really belong to him? Well, but for the sake of the people who were so pleased with the girl's dance. Remember, he's a, he's a light-minded man. Given to fun and easygoing. Very frivolous man. So he agreed and cut John Baptist's head. So he gave John Baptist's head for an erotic dance. The price. John's head became the price of an erotic dance. Think this, 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 this is the man we are... <laughs> we, we, we've encountered here in this passage. Eventually, when... Of course, Christ dies before him and he continues with his way of life. But to complete his story, Herodias had a brother called Herod Agrippa. You may wonder, why are they all Herod? Well, they all Herod because, remember Herod the, the Great killed his own siblings. And one of the siblings that he killed had children. One of them was Herodias and the other was Agrippa. But when Herod killed his brother Aristobulus, Bulus, um, Agrippa was sent to Rome to study. Later on, he came back and so actually his uncle was Herod Antipas. He asked for her, of some help from, from Herod Antipas who, who gave him some help but didn't really go well. But later on, with his connections with the Roman, with the Roman authorities, he was also given some place to rule. And he became, Herod Agrippa the, the first became very, very successful. When he became very successful, Herodias now got jealous of her own brother and wanted Herod Antipas to get rid of him because he, she suspected that the then emperor Caligula was going was definitely the way Agrippa was progressing. They are going to give him the title of a king. Remember, Herod is not a king; he's only a governor. His father was a king over the whole territory, but he's only ruling just just a quarter of it, so he's not a king. But then they were suspicious that the way Agrippa is is moving, the emperor will make him king over the whole area, and Herodias can't stand that. So Herodias, once again, persuaded Herod Antipas to go and accuse Agrippa of something. Just make an accusation and so that they can get rid of Agrippa and the title of kinship will come to Herod. 
But before Herod could do that, Agrippa sensed that that thing is going to happen. So he took the lead. He was a friend of the emperor. So he went to, to, to the emperor and cooked up some story. It was, some of them were true, but some of them were lies. So he, gave, he presented the, the emperor with some half-baked truth about Herod Antipas. And when the emperor heard it, no question, because Agrippa was his friend, he banished Herod Antipas to go. And Herodias, interestingly, voluntarily decided to go with Herod Antipas into exile. So they went away. And unfortunately, Herod Antipas died in Gaul, never came back again. So that was the end of him. But this is the man we are introduced here in this passage. But what is instructive, what is instructive for you and me today is this. That Christ Jesus, Christ, the Christ of God, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our Master, the one we look up to and follow after, he lived. He was born in the era of his heralds and he died in the era of, in the era of his heralds. He performed all his ministry during the reign of this wicked and evil rulers. Very instructive for us. So the Christ himself served and worked under such government. Now I want to look at the next line or the next word in the text, which, which says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him. Of course, he heard all that was done by Jesus Christ because the apostles were preaching. Hallelujah. That suggests that he did not hear directly from the apostles as they were preaching. So it was the apostles preached to whoever they could reach. But Herod the Tetrarch heard. Very interesting. Indicating that God made sure that he heard what was being preached. And that is good for you and me. Because they could not go to the palace to talk to Herod or whatever. But God made sure he heard. He heard. You see, and this is in agreement with what the apostles actually teach. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and the verse 1, the apostle Paul declares this. He says, We then ask to we then ask workers together with him. You see, the point here I'm making is, is this. If God made them to hear, if God made Herod to hear what the apostles was preaching, I mean, through whatever means, they didn't reach him personally, but he still heard, then it means that God worked with them. God made sure Herod heard the news. So we are co-workers together with God. And 3 John 1, 8 also says this. 
He says, we therefore, 3 John 1, 8, says, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. You see, and, and, and I, like the, I like the way 3 John 1, 8 puts it. He says, we are fellow if we receive those who bring the truth, if we receive them, if we embrace them, if we help them on their way, he was talking about helping those who preach the word of God. So if you help them on the way, if you, if you help them with, with any assistance that you can give them, then, then you are a helper. You are a fellow helper to the truth. That means you help in propagating the truth. And we are to do so. Hallelujah. And if there's anyone who is, who is responsible for propagating the truth, we know it is God himself. So in the spreading of the truth, hallelujah, God's hand is involved. We may preach to anyone, but God knows how to get those whom we cannot reach to hear because Herod heard. He heard. God made sure he heard. It's amazing that Christ has been around, okay? All the time that John the Baptist was around, Christ too was doing a few things here and there. You remember, you, you remember when, when, when John was in prison, the, the, he sent his disciples to ask Christ, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? And Christ told him, go and tell John, the blind see, the, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and all that. You know, so, so Christ was doing these things, but Herod never heard. But when the disciples went out, hallelujah, God made sure Herod heard. Hallelujah, Herod heard. So this is an encouragement for us to, to spread the word. To spread the word. Whichever means is available to us. Today the platforms are many. Through direct talking to one another. Through sharing on your Twitter. Or to sharing on your whatever forum you've got. Use them. Spread the word. Hallelujah. God gives you truth. Spread it. Your fellow brothers and sisters. Spread it. Let's spread it. Praise God. Let's spread it. Let's spread it. Let's spread it. Now. How do we know that Herod heard the news? Luke says, because Luke says it, but Luke says something else. That's what makes Luke knows that Herod heard it. He says, and he was perplexed. He was perplexed. He heard the news. Praise God. So as we go out, as we share, as we spread the truth that God gives us, those God will cause those who need to hear to hear what they need to hear. You know, sometimes you preach one thing and people hear some, some, something else. Oh, God does that. God knows. <laughs> it's not so much of the word by word you are saying, but the fact that you are presenting his truth. What people need to hear, he will cause them to hear. Our bit is to do or spread as much as we can, as far as we can, spread it. Praise God. So, he says, he was perplexed. Perplexed. To be perplexed 
Isaiah says perplexed means to be entirely at loss. Oh, he was at loss. Some, some, some say, some, some put it, to be lost at sea. Man says to be utterly at a loss. Utterly at a loss. Strong describes it as to be nonplussed. To be nonplussed. That is to be so surprised or confused, he doesn't know what to do. Doesn't know how to respond. That was Herod's case. When he heard what the disciples were doing, preaching about the kingdom and healing the sick, the man was dumbfounded. He was bamboozled. He was mesmerized. He, 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 <laughs> Jay Parker says that, you know, the word indicates to be stuck. That is, he was stuck in a sense that when he turned, he, 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 he couldn't, it's like to be stuck in the mud. He couldn't turn right, couldn't turn left. Couldn't turn, couldn't go forward, couldn't go backward. He was stuck. What happened was that what happened here was this as he heard the preaching of the kingdom and the healing of the sick. You know, when the word of God is preached, when the word of God is preached, what we call the Rima word. It is God himself. So when we present the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So he says, it is God himself. So whenever we present the truth, we are putting God himself on the stage. And when God is on the stage, with power, he confronts people face to face so so john sorry herod was confronted with god himself and didn't know what to do how <laughs> he found himself face to face with the truth of god with the holiness of god for the first time his frivolous mind, his easygoing um, um, uh, mindset, his light-mindedness, you know, escaped him. <laughs> and, he, and he was brought face to face with the greatness of God's truth, with, of God himself. And didn't know how to answer. He was stuck. He was stuck. Confused. Troubled. Worried. You see, what happened to Herod when he heard the news is universal. That is exactly what happens to people who live contrary to God's truth. Any people who live contrary to God's truth, when they come face to face with the word, with the truth of God, that's what happens to them. They become perplexed. They're stuck. Hello. Ah. Okay. Herod 
had done some things. He said, look at that line. He was perplexed. Why? Because it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. And some that Elias had appeared. And others that one of the old prophets was risen again. This brought so much trouble. Was that what the, was that what the people were preaching? That Elias has come back? That John has come back? But that was what God chose to trouble his mind. So when you preach, when we share the word, when we spread the truth that God gives us, he knows how to make those authorities to hear what they need to hear to get their attention. Because Herod knows, he said, John, if it's John, then he's in trouble. Because the, Jew, the, the Jewish people had this understanding about people who died. They knew the Jews were, there were three kinds of resurrections that, that, that was, that pre, uh, um, three kinds of resurrection uh, ideas. They were aware of reincarnation, but most Jews didn't believe in reincarnation, okay? But then most Jews believed in the bodily resurrection. They knew that we would die and we will all be resurrected bodily. I mean bodily. We will come with our physical bodies. But then they also believed, believed another kind of resurrection. That is resuscitation. They call it resuscitation. Re, 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 Someone dies and maybe somebody comes, lay hands upon them, pray for them, and then they come back to life. Right there, they believe that that will they believe that kind of thing too, and you know when he, when 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 Eli, both Elijah and, Eli, and Elisha prayed for dead people and they and, and they came back, and Christ Jesus did the same thing with Lazarus. They were called that resuscitation, that getting the, the person back. Either way, they believe that if a dead person came back to life, they often came back with great power to judge those who are done them wrong. That was the understanding. So if John the Baptist is back from the dead, then he's in trouble. So he was shaken. That means he's coming to judge me because I've killed him. That means he's coming to, what is he coming to do to, uh, to me? So he, the, the man was, was troubled. If it's, Eli, if, it's, if it's Elias, who is Elijah? That's even worse. Why is it worse? Worse in the sense that if it's Elias or Elijah, which is the same person, then it is a forceful reminder that he, Herod, and Herodias are just like Ahab and Jezebel. Because Ahab, influenced by his wicked wife Jezebel, killed the prophets of God. And he... Influenced by Herodias, his wife has killed John Baptist, which he knew was a holy man of God. So if he's Elias, he's in big trouble. And if he's any of the old prophets anyway, these guys were no-nonsense people and they spoke the truth. So, 
they shut John up because John won't keep quiet. John was a type of the Old Testament prophets, which they all agreed. So if another one has come back, what am I going to do? Perplexed, troubled. Basically, his light-mindedness, his frivolous attitude towards life was wiped off. Another way of saying his conscience was awakened. God awakened his conscience. You see, the proclamation of the truth helped to awaken his conscience. But you see, the thing about the thing about conscience is that conscience was awoken to its full might and impotence. There's this 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 is a thing about conscience. Conscience is mighty, but conscience is also impotent. What do I mean by that? What I mean by conscience is mighty is that conscience is faithful. That's that's the that, that's the might of conscience. Conscience is faithful in reminding in, in reminding effectively people all the evils they have done. If you do anything wrong, oh conscience is so conscience will remind you. What is conscience anyway? I see conscience. Is the inward guide that God puts, that God has put in every human soul. Hello. It is that inward guide that God has placed in every human soul. Unfortunately, conscience can be trained positively or negatively. It's a forceful reminder, it will remind you. When conscience is awakened to its full might, it reminds effectively every evil that you've done. It all conscience also judges rightly. It judges right. It, it, it judges right and wrong. It, it will make it very, very clear. You are wrong. Or it will tell you you are right. That is the power of conscience. It's, it's and then thirdly, thirdly, Conscience will chasten you roughly. Conscience is rough in its chastening, in its discipline. Won't let you go until you deal with it. Unfortunately, not really, but it's unfortunate. Conscience is also impotent. Impotent is that in the sense that and it's, it's still this impotency of conscience adds to its power anyway. You see, the, the impotence of conscience makes it more powerful in dealing with right and wrong. And this is the impotence of, con- of conscience. Conscience cannot undo the past. It won't do it. 
The thing done wrong, mm -mm. conscience does not erase it. And conscience cannot make the present endurable. Try to cushion you. No, no, no. Conscience doesn't do that. It won't temper with the past. The past is still there. The present, it won't give you any comfort to endure. No, no, no. And that's not, conscience does not promise you of any hope in the future either. It doesn't. Doesn't give you any, any option. No, the, the, the future is going to be nice. And no, conscience, conscience doesn't do that. So in these three ways, conscience is impotent. Doesn't help here. But I'll remind you, will judge and will chase him. And Herod's conscience was under fire. It was lit. It was awakened. And he could see what he's done. And now he was perplexed. He was stuck. Didn't know what to do. Stuck in his own tracks. You see, but let me point out this truth. Because what Herod is experiencing here is a matter of his own heart. It is his heart that is called. It is, we are not saying that the truth of God comes To put people into trouble like that. The truth shows a way out. The truth brings revelation. When God's truth comes to a heart that is humble. You know Christ said until you become like a child you will enter the kingdom. Until you come to the place where you humbly put yourself low and say Lord, Master. Thy will be done. I salute you, God. But if you, if, if, if a person decides that they're going to wrestle with God, then conscience is going to handle them rough. He won't erode the past. He won't make the present undurable. And he won't give you any hope for the future. We just, we just stay in the person's face. So Herod here, his heart, is what put him in the state. But when the people come truthfully and humbly before God's truth, they come face to face with the truth of God. It doesn't leave them confused, like Herod was left confused. God's truth provides a clear pathway of what to do. Yes, Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I provide clear paths. I show you the way. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, I will pour water upon the thirsty stone. Upon the thirsty and dry land, I will pour water. I will give him drink, him that is thirsty. He that is weary, I will refresh and I will comfort. This is what he does for us. He doesn't leave us confused and disturbed. Whenever we find ourselves confused and disturbed, it's an indication that we are holding on to something that we, that we, that we must let go. 
Because God does not come to confuse, to bring confusion. The scripture is clear. God is not the author of confusion. Scripture is clear on that. So when you find yourself tormented, disturbed, struggling with something, it's usually an indication that you're not ready to let something go. That's the reason why you are in that state. Because if people are ready to let go, the truth of God will liberate. It will liberate. So some said it was John. Some said it was Elias. Some said it was one of the old prophets. And this, 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 how come this was what was troubling Herod? When clearly this could not be what the disciples were preaching about. But that was what God chose for him to hear. So as we spread the truth of God, he will cause people who are in authority high and above to hear what they need to hear. Because their conscience must be affected. Because if people are living with seared conscience, then our societies will have unrest. There will be no rest in our societies. Because if we have men and women whose conscience are seared, driving and leading things, we're going to be in trouble. So it falls upon God's people to keep on spreading the truth. Tell someone, keep on spreading the truth. Spreading the truth. Keep on spreading the truth. Keep on spreading the truth of the king and the kingdom. His values and principles. Keep on advancing them. Some say, well, the world doesn't need to know the principles of God. Did, the, did, did, did God create his world for evil? No. He created the world, the earth, for his principles and values to fill the earth. Remember, he said, hey, when you pray, say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Indicating that he intended for earth to be a replica of what he has in the heavens. So you preach right when you preach the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Preach the kingdom of God. To God be the glory. So when we preach the kingdom of God, when we preach God's word, we lay hands on the sick, we pray for the sick to be healed. We put ourselves out there to do what he's empowered us to do. He will cause people to hear what they need to hear. Hallelujah. How should we spread this? How should we spread this? You can spread it in many, many ways. I believe that we can spread it in the ways we've been doing. You know, some of us are texting them. Some of them, some of us, you know, when it's time for a service, you send some links out to certain people. Here, here, come on. Let's join in. Let's hear the word of God. Let's hear God's truth. Come on, let's pray. Let's do this. You are doing all that. Keep on spreading. Hallelujah. Keep on spreading. Keep on spreading it. 
You can also spread it by, you know, by, by putting certain, certain, certain uh, signals somewhere, maybe on your door, maybe in your house, somewhere, some, something. Christ is the head of this home. Put it down. Write it down. Put it somewhere in, in the house. Maybe on your gate, some, somewhere. Ask the question, are you born again? With a finger pointing to whoever is reading it. Are you born again? Put it out there. Whatever we can, put it out there. Sometimes we think when you ask people, are you born again? Oh, that's a bit rude. Rude? The truth is coming to you. You are saying, you are, you are, you are, you are thinking about being rude? When a person has got a problem and the, and the doctors open them up on, in surgery, in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the surgical room, and they're taking things out, does the person care which doctor was going to open up? Or which, which tool, which instrument they were going to use to open up? They don't care about that. All they care about is that, you know what, perform the surgery and I'm fine. So, hey, keep on spreading the truth. If people need to be born again, let's make them aware you must be born again. Christ, you know, statements like Christ is coming again. It's a forceful reminder. Christ is coming again. Most people don't want to hear that truth, but actually he is coming again. Coming again. Coming again. He is coming again. And it's only when we spread it that the truth will come out, that God will call them to hear what they need to hear, and conscience will be awakened. Conscience. Herod's mind was perplexed. Was perplexed. He found himself stuck. Why? His conscience was awakened. His conscience was awakened. But how did he respond? How did Herod respond? How did he respond? What was his response when, he, when his conscience was awakened? What, how, was his, how did he respond? Verse 9, and I'll end here. He says, And Herod said, John, so, you see, so he heard. He became perplexed. And then he said something. He concluded. He, conclu he, he, he concluded. John have I beheaded. Who is this? He concluded. I have killed John. I know I have killed John. So who is this one? I have killed him. How? 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 He, 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 he couldn't put it together. How? He thought killing one, that was it. He didn't realize. He didn't, he didn't know the truth of God. Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Scripture says, except a corn of wheat dies and is buried. It abides alone. But when it's buried, dies and buries, then it brings forth much. That is why in the Christian faith, when you put one down, 
you've actually helped its growth. Because the principle of the kingdom must work. That when you destroy one corn of seed, it must bring abundance. When one mouth is shut, the power of God causes it to be amplified. Hallelujah. God causes it to be amplified. You can't shut it down. So he thought, who is this? Who is this one? I answered that question today. It is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Who came to die for our sins. Could you believe that although Jesus went to the cross to die for Herod ahead of time, Herod still continued in his ways. But interestingly, in here in the verse 9, Luke says, And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired, a very important word, and he desired, a very beautiful word, he desired the keyboard is too strong. And he desired, he desired, a very powerful word, he desired, he desired to see him. To desire to see Jesus? That was noble. Very noble. He desired. When you hear about Jesus, do you desire to see him? Do you desire to see him face to face when you hear about him? Does your heart go after him? Do you long after him for fellowship? He desired to see him. In Matthew 13, verse 17, Jesus says that many prophets desire to see his day, but unfortunately, these great men never got experience. So he said, blessed are you, these apostles and, and, and disciples, because what you are seeing, many desire to see it. And we remember holy and just Simeon. In Luke 2, verse 29, when he walked into the temple and he saw baby Jesus brought in to be dedicated, he said this. Lord, now, let us now thy servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. That was holy and just Simeon's, old Simeon's response. Now, let us thou thy servant die, go in peace. For now my eyes have seen thy salvation. That means, see, old, holy and just Simeon was was desiring 
to see Jesus. Luke 2 29. He was desiring to see Jesus. You remember, you remember Thomas. 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 You remember Thomas called the Didymus? When the when the when the Lord appeared to the other disciples and he wasn't there and he, he came and they told him, We have seen the Lord. He said, Ah uh-uh, nah, nah, nah. Until I see him. And when I read it, I said, Oh my goodness, Thomas, you're asking for it. And he said, And I put my finger in the new print in his hands. I would not believe it. Oh, the Lord is too beautiful. The Lord is too sweet. Oh, the desire of his people. He appears and he says, Thomas, have a go. Oh, I loved it. I love Jesus for that. The, the desire of his people, he satisfies it. He came and said, Thomas, put it through. And never you doubt, and never you think that Thomas was, was, was weak. Because he was also one of the people that sent the message far, the gospel far. Then you know there is this Philip. Some Greeks came to Philip. You remember Philip? And he said, Philip, we desire to see Jesus. And what was the Lord's response? The Lord Jesus Christ said, The hour has come and the Son of God to be glorified. They desire. And when he heard it, he said, hallelujah. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Wonderful. Brilliant. You see, so, 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 you see, so when they got the opportunity, they used it. They used it. They used it. They used it. They desired. They wanted to see him. They got the opportunity. They used it. Oh. What about Herod? What about Herod? When he got the opportunity, what did he do? Luke 23. Luke 23. Luke 23. 8 to 11. I read it to you because it, it, it is classic. We need to read it. When Herod got the opportunity, what did he do? Verse 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, finally, finally, Herod says he desired to see Jesus. He gets the opportunity to see Jesus. He was exceeding glad. For he was desirous to see him. Of a long season. Just like Simeon. Because he had 
heard many things of him. And he hoped to have seen somewhat miracle done by him. Oh God. Oh Lord my God. Is that all Herod wanted? To see Jesus do a miracle for him to see. A show. Goodness me. The man's mind is full of entertainment. Entertainment. A frivolous man. A light-minded man. Easy going life. His desire. You read in the chapter 9, verse 9, you think it's, it's, it was a noble desire. You come here, well, all he wanted or just to see Jesus do a miracle. Then he questioned, verse 9, then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. When he saw Jesus, he saw himself in a superior place. And he saw Jesus in an inferior place. Because he's been sent by, he, he, Pilate has sent Jesus to him. So he questioned him as one in trouble. When rather he was the one in trouble, he was questioning the master. The author of life. So the author of life kept quiet, did not respond to him. And guess what happened? And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. That was all Herod needed. So, desiring to see Jesus, you see others accusing him. What does he do in, in, in verse 11? And Herod with his men of war Set him at naught. Counted him as nothing. And mocked him. He mocked. He mocked. He mocked. This. Is what Christ. Jesus. Had to deal with. That was a kind of ruler he had during his time. And arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. When others came to him for life and others said, my eyes have seen thy salvation. He mocked the prince of life. He mocked the author of life. He heard it. His conscience was awakened. Two things for us here. Two principles to learn here. That you see, when you spread the word, when you spread the truth, and people remain the way they are, sometimes you think there is something wrong with the way you presented the message. No, there's nothing wrong with the way you presented the message. There's nothing wrong with it. 
Because God is able to make them hear what they need to hear. And God does them because he's faithful to his, to his work. But men, men, you see, people in authority like Herod in our day often see, when they see that you who call yourself a Christian are not in the authority that they are in, they find they find them they they feel that they are privileged and you are underprivileged. So if I am in this privileged position, why should I listen to you? If you're if the if what you're talking about is really great and relevant and important for life, why are you nowhere near me? I'm the I am the governor here. And you are nobody about to be crucified. You are just a common worker, a common laborer in this building. I am the CEO. I am the head of so so and so. I am the governor. I am the chief of this. I am the head of this. And who are you? So they use their earthly positions to judge whether they should receive the truth, the awakened conscience, the truth that has awakened their conscience, whether to, whether to accept it or not to accept it, they use their earthly status to, to decide. So they miss out. So the truth of the kingdom remains. It is only those who humble themselves, the poor in spirit, that are blessed. Only those who humble themselves are able to enter the kingdom of God. Only those who do not consider material gain as gain, but seek the kingdom of God in its truth and reality that are able to enter the kingdom. This is to encourage your heart so that when, as you spread the word of God, as you spread the, the truth of the kingdom, the responses of people do not deter you, do not cause you to be discouraged, but keep on spreading, precious one. Keep on spreading, for conscience will be awakened. The humble will come to salvation, but the wicked will keep on going in their wicked ways. And remember, Christ himself lived through a wicked, or lived under a wicked empire, a wicked ruler, wicked rulers. But the truth was still being pushed forth. And he even went to the cross despite. So let's, let's not the presence of an evil rule discourage the spreading of the truth. Because by that, Conscience are waking. Without the truth, conscience will be down. And even the humble will be destroyed. God bless you. If you've heard me today, you are not born again 
That means you don't know Jesus as your personal savior. You have no intimate relationship with him. Today is your chance. Today you can apply to him for salvation. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I am not born again. I know I'm sinful. I know my life doesn't please you. But the truth I've been hearing, my conscience gets awakened. And then when I walk away and I meet bad friends, I throw everything away just like Herod did. He met the, the, the scribes and, and, and chief priests who were, who were uh, you know, arguing with Jesus. So he, he joined them and he mocked Jesus. And I've been doing that. Lord, forgive me. Today I repent of my sins. Forgive me. Save me. Save me. Save me. Save me. Talk to him. Maybe for us who are born again, you are already born again, you know the Lord. You know the Lord. You want to pray and say, Lord God Almighty, I thank you for your encouragement. Just thank you for the encouragement. If your heart has been encouraged to keep on spreading the truth, to keep on spreading, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe in spreading the truth, the truth you've been discouraged one way or the other but 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 hearing God's truth your heart your heart has been stirred up you want to say father I thank you I thank you that I'll keep on spreading I'll keep on spreading I'll keep on spread in any way possible in any in any way in my home on my doors on my car I'll I'll buy some stickers maybe Maybe from now on you're going to say, I'm going to get a sticker and put on my car. Because even when I'm not by my car, the, some sticker on my car is still displaying the message of God. Maybe you, want to, maybe you are thinking about all these ways, you know, of spreading. And when you get a chance, you speak verbally or you write or you do something. Oh, Father, we pray. I pray. Oh, we thank you, Father. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for, for the grace, Lord. We thank you this afternoon for the grace to keep on spreading. To keep on spreading the truth. Keep on spreading the truth. For conscience of our societies depends upon it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I also want to pray. Amen and amen. I also want to pray for anyone whose birthday fell between last Monday and today. Your birthday fell between last Monday and today. I pray that the God of peace will strengthen you. The God most high will cause this year that he's added on, onto you to be a, a blessed one for you. A precious one, for, a fruitful one for you. You will be fruitful in your endeavors. We, we pray. For increased wisdom, increased understanding of God and of life and of his principles and values. We pray for good health for you. May your hands be may the work of your hands also prosper. And may you do well. And as we've shared this afternoon. May you send the grace of God to, throughout this year to, 
to keep on spreading the truth that God shows you. To awaken conscience in our society. In the name of Jesus. And the saints say amen and amen. God bless you. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.